Welcome to Sermon Extras. I'm Todd Bolander, and this episode is part two of a two-part conversation that I had with Jerry Caesar about two of his more recent sermons. Last episode, we discussed a couple of questions I had from part six of the Dissident Disciple series, Triple Grace for Pleasing God. In this episode, I ask a couple of questions from part seven of the series, his sermon titled, Love as God's Family. If you missed the last episode and want to listen to it, or if you want to hear any of the sermons that we talk about and other sermons preached on Sunday morning at Gulf Coast Community Church, you can head to the Gulf Coast Community Church website at gccc.net. Then let's move on to the the seventh sermon series where you talk about the the title is love as God's family, and if I'm remembering correctly, you're starting in verse nine and right. then going down to twelve, correct, of chapter four. And at one point in the sermon, you criticize churches, as you call it, who seek to be relevant to the world as you criticize them like they're doing something wrong, seeking to be relevant in order to be relevant to people who are already not following Jesus. And as part of your critique, you make the point that the church is already entirely relevant to that same group of people because the church is the the group of people who will be passing into eternity and into the next age, whereas the rest of humanity, people, structures will pass away. And so in turn, it's actually those people who are not relevant. So it was a little, as I thought about it, I was like, so wait, which is it? Is relevance a thing the church already has and consequently good? Or is relevance bad and something that we shouldn't be after? because it seemed like you were having it both ways in a certain in a certain sense. So unpack for me, maybe you should define relevance the way you're using it and give me some examples of actions or attitudes that you were critiquing and then the ones that you were saying, but we already are the most relevant thing. Right. So I am using relevance as it were in two ways, not the definition of the word itself, but the uh, maybe the object of the word. So in, on the one hand, I think there are many that would tell us that if we're going to win the world, meaning we the church, if we're going to win the world, we we have to uh, we have to be relevant in the sense that we have to be cool and hip. We have to have the right music that they like. We have to to speak in 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 ways that 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 they absolutely are good with, and not use any words that they're uncomfortable with, and. Uh, those kinds of things. We, you know, we, we might have smoke machines in the church. We might have light shows and spend all this money because, hey, they go to movies and movies are what they get entertained by. And don't expect them to sit in an hour long, hour and a half long church service without you doing those same things because that's what they want. Okay. And I don't think that's how the church can ever be relevant because, first of all, if the church thinks it's going to compete with Hollywood, I think we got another thing coming. 
um, and maybe some of the Christian movies out there would would, would substantiate that point. Oh um, man! <laughs> so, <laughs> I can't think of any examples of what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, right. So so and you know, I, God bless the people that are giving that effort. You've got to start somewhere, and if that's what they they're, they're feel they're called to, that's great. But in all seriousness. If we want to compete with the world by the world's system of trade and doing things, we will never succeed because we've been given a cross to compete with, we, not a sword. Uh, we've been given not power but weakness. And, and so I think that's a losing battle because it starts with the presumption that the world has something good and we need to meet them on that term and then win them over to something else that they need on top of that. I think rather that true relevance, and so maybe I'm distinguishing between a false relevance and a true relevance, that true relevance is the fact that we actually, as the church, we need to stop thinking that we need to become something else in order to win the world. We actually need to be the church in order to win the world, that, that Jesus is building his church, and that's his mechanism of winning the world. And, and, and if we focused more on being the church that Christ called us to be, and not being more like the world so that they'll like us and come along, because I think oftentimes what we really want is a pop, to win a popularity contest. Uh, but if we focus on being who Christ has called us to be, we will win those that God will allow us to win. We may not win multitudes, and but at the same time, what we win, we will win them to something true, and we'll win, to, win them to something that is eternal and lasting, and not just to help them become a better them, to help them to become successful in business, to help them become whatever it is we're winning them to. I, we want to win them to Christ and his kingdom, to where they're willing to sell everything they have and follow Christ, to give up their kingdom for Christ's kingdom. Okay. I was tracking with you, and then I hit a road bump, and and so help me help me a little bit. And so maybe these are just again different examples. You said you're using it in in a kind of a true false category. So help me then because you started talking about I don't want to be relevant if relevant means I need to entertain people to have them come to church. Okay, so that was one type of what it seemed like you were saying was bad relevance. And then later, towards at the end, you were making the point that the relevance that is about being successful, however that's defined in this life, is another bad type of relevance. And you said the good type of relevance is what? So I, I think the, 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 the reality that we have become part of a kingdom— that will last forever, that will outlast every kingdom on this earth, and that that this is a new day. We, It would be as if we all knew that the world was ending next week, but that there's a group of people that will go past the end of the world and be brought to, as it were, just to, to use a, a strange uh, modern science, sci-fi sort of thing, brought in a spaceship to another planet to populate it, um, and, and, and all those uh, who who follow this new king are going to go, and we're out trying to figure out how to 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 help them be more successful in their business and so forth. So how do we draw people to the new king? I think the the answer to that is by being like him in our in humility and love of neighbor and laying down our lives for one another and sacrificial living and and bearing with others and forgiving. 
to actually show a model to the world of relationships that work, of showing a model to the world of humility that works, of, of marriages that actually that aren't wrapped up in themselves and their own marriage as the end of all ends, but rather marriages that serve a purpose greater than the marriage itself, families that serve a purpose greater than the family itself. Okay, that's helpful because, uh, okay, so now I've got a positive example of what being relevant is. And I think you said this, that we're addressing the the actual needs that they don't even realize they have. And that's what makes the gospel relevant, whether they realize it or not. So we need to offer them the biblical gospel of who Jesus is, offer them Jesus right. and all that he is, and and offer that in multiple ways that inc- that includes just as much how we live as it is what we say on, on a Sunday morning. Now, so let me push you, because the examples you gave, I could get that with the, okay, we're not then going to change the message to be about, so your life will be pleasant and comfortable and you'll make lots of money. I get So I get how that adds up to bad relevance. Mm-hmm. If, if the world is seeking, which it often does, you know, fame, notoriety, financial safety, security, lots of money, that sort of thing. Okay, we don't want to be relevant in that way, because that's not what Jesus is offering. Um, Okay, so then help me out with Smoke Machine. How on the axis of, you know, help me out with that, because are you saying, like, for example, people like podcasts, that's pretty relevant in a what's hip faddish. They might not come to a church, but they might download, say, this this mess this podcast or another one and listen to it home because it is part of their their culture. They 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 find it relevant. So we're doing something that some people would say, well, you're just accommodating um, their technology or their culture. You're being relevant. So that's where it sounds like the smoke machine to me. So we shouldn't do a podcast. We shouldn't have a smoke machine. We shouldn't play with certain types of instruments. We shouldn't have uh, colored lights in a church. Is that what you're saying? No, not exactly. Um, So, for instance, uh, at the time of Christ, most often uh, what we call books were written on scrolls and papyri. Uh, And then later we, we had more commonly the bound book and of course today we, we we have bound books with the paper and everything is so vastly different and then of course we have computers and we we have ways of doing it i would say to the person who's listening to this podcast if they're listening to sermons and podcasts and aren't a part of a local church they have much to be worried about and should not be confident that they're uh in christ with with security and safety um so so if it's a substitute for the real thing, no. If it's, a, if it's a supplement to our discipleship and a means of communication, like a, a, a so for instance, the difference between a, a book and a, a scroll, uh, technology advances, then great. I don't think it makes a lick of difference whether I'm reading the, the, the words for the song I'm singing on Sunday morning out of a hymn book or whether they're on a wall in front of me. What matters is the content in the words. Uh, if I'm doing a skit and a production that I'm trying to to that's theatrical, and I want to have a smoke machine because that's fitting and relevant to what is going on in that scene, then I think a smoke machine is perfectly fine. If I'm trying to augment the worship of God 
by manipulating sensory perceptions, uh, I have some deep concerns about that because God is very particular about how he is worshiped. And, and, you know, he certainly is, invites music and instruments and singing and, but I, I, when we start trying to say imitate the throne room that we see in Isaiah chapter 6, well, that's a great picture. I'm not sure we're supposed to try to use technology to recreate that on Sunday mornings to give people a sense of the presence of God. All right. I, I think I better understand, and I appreciate the analogy as far as the advances of technology as supplements to the way we already do what we're doing or just substituting out but not necessarily an attempt to mimic something that it isn't, not an attempt to, um, like you said, if someone never goes to church and thinks that they are in full fellowship just by listening to a church, uh, you know, on the standard barring physical ailments or just incapacity of some type, but they're perfectly healthy and it's just a choice because they're just not interested in, in being around people, then they've, they've missed a key part probably. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, And so we don't want to necessarily change the way we do it to be relevant to that person. Right. If I'm understanding you correctly. Right. I, I, you know, maybe we think, well, most people would only want to come to church once a month. So we just start having services once a month. Okay. Now there's an example. I understand. Okay. Okay. So, well, well, who cares? God set it up one way and that's uh, six, six days work and, and a day for the Lord and, and that our rest is found in him. And it's a day for worship. Um, and, and even in, in the evangelical church, I think for many, that's a, uh, not a, a six day, one day, it's more like a 13 day, one day, a, a 27 day, one day sort of rotation, but, but worship and gathering together, we find in the scriptures that on the first day of the week, once Christ was resurrected, the disciples gathered, and that seems to be the continuing pattern throughout the new Testament. And in one sense, does it matter what day? No. But it does matter that we gather, and it does matter that we do it in this interval that is what we would call weekly. Well, that's helpful. At least the, I, I really appreciate the distinction between thinking of relevance as addressing what they need, even though they don't know they need it, and they right. need Jesus, and, and, they need, they need. and they need eternal life. And so we can't compromise there. We can, we can in full faith change a delivery system, uh, whether it's a microphone or no microphone. We can, in full faith, be comfortable switching from a piano to a guitar because it's just the way to play the music and not necessarily the the words that are being said, that sort of thing. Right, and, and, and back to the other point that you just made, people need Christ and the forgiveness that he offers, whether they realize it or not. Now, I think deep down they do realize it in some sense. And, and obviously, I, we, we would have to work to help them see that more clearly. Uh, people, God has revealed himself to everyone. And Romans 1 makes that clear. Now, they reject that revelation, and they worship false things in, despite that revelation. But he has, in his creation, made himself known. And yet we turn to other things to worship. So 
I, those are the people that we bring a message about Christ to, and it's exactly what they need. And I think that, that in bringing that relevant message, that truly relevant message, what happens is the Lord uses that to open their ears and eyes to see just how much they need it. But if we keep bringing them something else, they'll never have their eyes and ears opened to see how much they need it. That's a helpful distinction for me. Uh, because as I heard you saying it, I didn't think you were meaning that it's that the the met the method of communication in and of itself is the problem. No, I don't think so at all. In fact, here here's a, I think another way to illustrate that. I would love for us to have live streaming video uh, of our church services online. Now, you might ask, why would you like that? Well, I wouldn't like that so that people could stay home and not join us at church or that they could have the church in their living room. But I would love it because we have shut-ins. People who get to a point where they can't, as you alluded to earlier, because of health reasons, join the service. Uh, People that are isolated from the church due to persecution uh, in, in various places that might have access to that, but they could always download something anywhere. But within our church, or when our church family travels and maybe they're not in a place where they, they have access to a church, to be able to join us for that time of worship, for those shut-ins to be able to join us and not feel like they're totally isolated from the body. I think that's a great use of technology. Um, but then it, on Communion Sunday, let's bring communion over to them and let's spend time with them and let's get to know them and so forth. Give me faith to trust that you are kind And always molding me to be like Christ Give me ears to hear and eyes to see You are all that I could ever need Keep me always close to Finishing talking about Sermon 7, Love as God's Family, while you were describing the love that Paul wants the church to grow in there in chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Mm -hmm. He says, now, starting back in verse 9, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, for that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. You stated in your sermon that love has to be worked out I'm quoting you, love has to be worked out in the practical details of our daily lives. And you make the point about it's not about having particular feelings, that love, that it's great if you have particular feelings toward people you love, but that isn't necessary because feelings change on certain days, but it doesn't mean you've stopped loving them. And then you go back to Old Testament, to Leviticus chapter 19, to the passage about love your neighbor, and go through this list of actions that the verse, love your neighbor as yourself, seems to be, you suggest, encapsulating sort of all those previous comments about what to do and not to do, that all of this is tied up in loving neighbor as yourself. So 
it made me wonder when you said love has to be worked out in practical details. I wondered then, maybe it's just the phrase worked out that I was hung up on, but what is love then? Like, define it for me. Because if it's not a feeling, when you say worked out, I think you mean, well, you have this feeling, but you have to demonstrate that feeling. You can't just have the feeling. But then you denied that it was a feeling. Right. That's not what I mean by worked out. Okay, Okay, so so, help me with worked out. First of all, let's define love. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. I don't think, and, 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 and I'm borrowing from Bonhoeffer here, but I think it is emphatically true that we, we do not know what love is until we have the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think that non-believing humans have any ability to love because we were created in his image. I think we do it, but don't understand it. Um, so love is ultimately uh, about giving of self for another. When I say love needs to be worked out in the details of, uh, of daily life, I'm not talking about a feeling that needs to be worked out. I'm talking about, okay, the command, love one another. We need to flesh that out. We need to give definition to what that looks like in our daily lives. For the Israelites, it looked like the law in the Old Covenant, but we don't live in that culture or in that time and, and in that national identity. For the Thessalonians, Paul gave them some specifics of what it needed to look like for them. And that's a lot closer to what it might look like for us. But even in our lives, there are going to be things that for our time and culture and space, we need to find those details and work them out differently than even the Thessalonians did because it's about laying down, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us so we ought to also love one another. It's about defining what that looks like, and then doing it and living accordingly. Um, And back to the feeling thing, I will say, if I told my wife on the one hand uh, that I loved her, but I didn't have any feelings toward her, I'm not sure she would feel loved. On the other hand, if every time I didn't feel like doing something for her, I didn't do it, well, I don't think she'd feel loved either. What I'm trying to make the distinction in is that they aren't so integrally... intimately woven together that that they're one and the same love isn't a feeling but it does have feelings more often than not okay so you're helping me and at the same time you're muddying up my waters here so you're helping me that love is not a feeling i think i think at least biblically that seems to be the case because not only did you point to leviticus 19 when they use the word love if the, mm-hmm. if it's correct that the end love your neighbor is yourself is the same thing as this whole is an encapsulation of this whole list of actions. Okay, list of actions. And then in the first Thessalonians, he's talking about giving financial aid, sending money, and then uh, not defrauding and all sorts of other things. He's talking about a bunch of actions and choices that right. people are making, and he wraps that up in love more and more. Right. It seems like the Bible consistently paints a picture, even going over to first Corinthians and the so-called love chapter where he talks about a whole bunch of actions, being kind, being patient, things that you can't just have feelings about. Right. Bearing with believing, hoping. Um, I guess you could say those are perceptions or feelings to some level, but there's something there. I'm just wondering if it's even helpful to talk about it as though 
feelings is where it starts and actions is where it leads. Oh, I don't, I don't think it is helpful to talk about it that way at all. Okay. Yeah. I would not, I would not see feelings as the basis or the foundation. And maybe I don't even like the word feelings. I prefer maybe emotions, passions. Um, but I do think God demonstrates love toward us, both in his actions and in his passion for us, his emotion, uh, for us, if you will, because you see this effect on God when his people are repeatedly disobeying him and, and, and he weeps and he, he grieves. And so there, there is an element of emotion that's connected, but I don't think that's the starting point. Uh, certainly not the foundation. That'd be a terrible foundation. But it's an element that is mixed into the, the whole building, if you will. It's, it, I don't know if it's in the ductwork. I can't tell you where, where it fits exactly in that analogy, but uh, <laughs> it's in there. But it certainly is not the foundation. All right. I think, and maybe, I've heard some, some other Christian commentators and speakers and uh, pastors make the point that it's, for us English speakers and, and many other languages— it's the way we conceive of love is just not helpful in our language, that our word love is too overlapping. It encompasses too many items that's a little more narrow in the way the biblical authors fairly consistently use it, at least in the theological sections when talking about the church and that sort of thing, that it's largely stripped of the sense of have a feeling for each other that it's almost that that's almost totally void not that we shouldn't have positive feelings for each other but when using that word in english that's what we conceive of is to right. have sentimentality right but that isn't that's just not really as present right. the flip side of course is i i don't think the lord wants us to sacrificially give for others but not really give a rip about them i mean so you <laughs> You've kind of, <laughs> you, that would be a weird way to do life. I don't, I don't strange, care right. about you, but I'm going to give you all my money. Exactly. You know, that's so, to... so, you know, that's why I say it's not, it's, if we use the building, it's not the foundation, but it's in the air ducts or something. Uh, got but, it. but the flip side is if it's a tree, it's not the root, right? But it's somewhere in the leaves or the fruit or the acorns. I don't know. Okay. That's helpful. That's great. All right. Well, we, we have gone super long, and I'm probably going to have to break this into like two episodes and make try to keep them down to a reasonable car drive to work. and Or you can just something. edit out all the stupid things I said, and Ooh. that would solve it. Oh, Jerry, I wouldn't know where to begin. That's right. <laughs> Take that phrase how you want yeah, to understand it. there'd be so it. many of them. <laughs> uh, anyhow... It's been great. It's been really helpful for me, and I hope that it's uh, helpful to the folks who listen to it. And I hope we can keep doing this, and uh, that people get something get some help out of it. I I, I hope it is. We've I, I heard from folks that it was beneficial in the last one, uh, but I don't know if somebody was paying them to say that. So hopefully it is helpful. And thank <laughs> you for all the labor and effort you put into making this happen, because it wouldn't happen without you. Well. I enjoy it. So I'll look forward to getting back together next time. And next time we should be doing live audience response because everyone loves to to show up and ask questions when you start talking about end of the world for some reason. And, and that is exactly where Thessalonians goes in the next section from what we've talked about today. 
For those of you listening, thank you for joining us for this episode of Sermon Extras. Remember, you can find the sermons we discussed today and all the Sunday morning sermons preached at Gulf Coast Community Church if you head over to the Gulf Coast website at www.gccc.net. The ministry of Gulf Coast Community Church is to build a faithful gospel witness for this generation and the next who love the gospel, live the gospel, and advance the gospel.